Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we are back with the Flowtrack Podcast. Happy Tuesday, day after 4th of July. I am Kevin Sully, coming to you remotely from the Gulf Coast of the United States. Joined by Gordon Mack, still there in Austin, Texas. Gordon, good morning. How are you? Doing all right. It's been so long since you've been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You specifically, Kevin. The last podcast you did was like a week ago. Well, you recorded the Stockholm one on Thursday. Did we record yeah. on Wednesday? No. So it's been – we didn't? Recorded on Tuesday. The Wednesday pod? Oh, okay. Well, That's right. Tuesday, Thursday. Was that the one right after USA's? It's all blurring yeah. together now. Yep, yep. You're right. I'm rusty. I did listen to your pod, though, to get prepped. Okay. Your Stockholm recap pod. Um, do you want my notes now or later or never? Maybe never. Unless okay. they're good well, notes. Give I only take positive good notes. affirmations. Yeah. Going – putting Mondo in the R block after he <laughs> vaults a world record, interesting choice. Second note. The moment you said, when's the last time we've had three consecutive global championships with a different 100-meter man winning? I thought to myself, literally the last three-year span. <laughs> and I, I wanted to I'm stop you. I meant four. I wanted to stop you. I was like, stop, Gordon, stop. And then you started reading them. You're like, oh, one, oh, two, oh, three. And I was like, oh, this is not going to end well because yeah. 16, 17, 19, and, and 21 were all different. But yeah. That's why I get for not being on the pod. Um, Oregon coaching rumor segment was interesting. Touched on. uh, You were taking questions, which I thought was good. That's tough to do when you're doing solo pods. So all in all, uh, decent job. I think, are we, this is a side note here. I don't want to get on a tangent right off the bat. But I mean, this is running related. Mary Mora in that 800. Like, what'd you think of that? Because I looked, I, I, I did a deep dive on her results. Like she's eight and four last year. She ran, she's only basically done two full seasons where she's all in on the eight. And then she won the Kenyan trials in the four and the eight. And she ran that Stockholm race. Like she's still trying to figure out the tactics and stuff. What do you think of her chances at world champs? Cause it's easy to say, Oh, Keely had a bad race and Keely can go one fifty five. But I thought Mary Mora was just a, a a real interesting, interesting like note in that in that Stockholm meet. Yeah, I mean, like I said in the podcast, like we're now coming off of two back to back races where the two obvious one twos in a Thing Mo and Hutchinson have shown weaknesses. Weaknesses. A Thing Mo mm-hmm. almost got beat, albeit she didn't, but she almost got beat, and then Hutchinson got straight up beat. So the idea that this is like a lock of all locks of those are the top two, I think is kind of potentially not going to be true because Mora, like you said, ran extremely well. She could be the female version of Emmanuel Courier. And, you know, Ajay Wilson or gave better. I think Mo a run for her money. So, 
or better. Yeah. Well, and then it made me think how many events, and you touched on this as well too, like who's the biggest favorite at the World Championships? And then you go through event by event, and there's a lot still up in the air, I feel like. Because even oh, in the yeah. 100 and the two – like in the 100, you're like, all right, it's probably going to be one of two people. But still, if you pulled 100 people who watch track, that's going to be split close to 50-50, I think. Same thing with the two. The four is a little clear. I think eight people are still on a thing mode. Jasmine Camacho Quinn, the favorite in the high hurdles, but I think you'd get people picking other races. The longer distance stuff is up in the air. It's really Sydney when you talk about the running events on on the women's side. Sydney and a thing mo are like the ones where you feel like that would be a surprise if you didn't see their name in the gold medal position. And Shawnee, yeah, I guess in the four hundred. Yeah, there's a lot of just like obvious like co favorites or obvious tri favorites, but not mm-hmm. as many obvious single favorites. So, did yeah, you think about that in races? All? What's that? So you 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 brought up Bondo being huge favorite. You brought up Krauser Rojas. being huge favorite. Rojas and McLaughlin. Now Rojas hasn't jumped for a while, but she doesn't need to. Do you have an answer to that question? You floated it before. Like who's the biggest favorite for Worlds? It's Mondo. Thousand percent. Did you when he vaulted over the world record last week? Yeah. He had like a foot. To go. Yeah. He vaulted it by over a foot. It was insane. Yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't... barely got over it. He vaulted it over by a foot. Yeah. There was almost another entire Scandinavian country between himself and the bar when he went over. Yes. Like that was not that was not close at all. The thing that makes me a little nervous is just it is the pole vault. You get wins, you get some issues, but he is he is far and away the best guy. I know you've talked about him just entering after everybody goes out. <laughs> Given the right circumstances, I think he could pull that off. Krauser lost World Indoors, but the shot, I think, has a little less variability. McLaughlin, I would just be stunned to see her not win, but look at how well Femke Bowles has been running. So it would only take one minor mishap. I guess I don't, I don't know entirely what the, my answer would be. Um, and then you go to the men's running events. 100. Toss up, two hundred got at least two guys. Four hundred, Norman, Norman and Gardner. Eight hundred, who knows? You're the only one who knows the answer in the eight hundred. Yep. Uh, Fifteen, Chariot, Ingebrigtsen. Ingebrigtsen will be the favorite. Steeple up in the air. Five, ten up in the air. High hurdles up in the air. Four hundred hurdles. Benjamin versus Dos Santos. Warholm looming if he comes back. No one's going to count him out. A lot of questions like we're we have no more meets really before like we have no more information i'm yeah, panicking i gotta make picks gordon i don't know who to pick is what i'm saying gotta make picks i mean i know who i'm picking Do we? i'm gonna accurately pick all the events perfectly one through eight we're going eight deep on all my events <laughs> i know who's gonna finish freaking seventh in the women's hammer throw ring it do you think no, you could pick i don't a know final? yeah it is it is gonna be which event are you most confident in picking the finalists? Not the winner, but the finalists. 100. I think, okay, I think men's 200. I could do pretty yeah, well men's in. 200, yeah. Sprint events are easy the, to pick finals because there's, there's just, there's people who, you, it's more obvious. When you get into distance events, with, you know, if it's a slow heat, 
you know, big Q, mm -hmm. little Q, it gets a little complicated and it's only thought would make it gets knocked out, you know, but sprinting, it's pretty much obvious who's going to make it. Mm -hmm. Question is though, the order of the top three. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, different events are easier to pick different things. Some of them, it's easy to pick gold. Some of them, it's easier to pick podium. And then some of it's easy. Like the podium, I feel pretty good about in the women's tournament hurdles, but picking the finalists would be hard. All right. We got some subscriber pods that are up. Are both of them up? You did a great job yep, posting. Both those. are up. Both nice up. job. So if you're a subscriber, you can check those Remember. out. We ranked member pods. Gosh, I keep calling it subscriber pod. We ranked the U.S. medal odds in every single running event. One for men, one for women. And I think I'm 100% accurate. Well, together, we're 100%. We had a, a couple points where we disagreed, but you can choose the Gordon path or you can choose the Kevin path. And I think either way, you'll get the right answer. So I don't know what you'd use that information for. I don't know if you could bet or you just want to impress your friends. But it's out there. It is out there. You can check it out. We're going to run through a few results here to start. Then we're going to talk about some world championship news. We'll talk about Abby Steiner. And we'll have the, the much-anticipated Bowerman discussion. Not the Bowerman Track Club, but the Bowerman Award. I know you've been chomping at the bit have this discussion gordon i appreciate you waiting for me waiting you waited a whole pod i thought you were gonna go i waited, into it. I waited a whole week i waited a whole week well we didn't have that many pods all right let's start first uh rainier mena of cuba runs 19.63 in the 200 at la Shaw de france in switzerland huge personal best for the 25 year old he came in with a PB of 20.04, which is a huge improvement on his um, lifetime best coming into the season, where he was basically you know 20.2, 20.3 guy for several years. He's run some youth stuff, run some junior stuff, and posted some good results. But this is a huge breakthrough uh, when you look at his time compared to the rest of the all-time list. It is in a place notorious for incredibly fast times. Lashaw Defons, high altitude, and even but even when you do the conversions, it still pans out to a very quick time. We've had some good performances in the 200 from guys that we haven't necessarily been talking about all year, haven't seen on the Diamond League circuit a ton. Luxolo Adams a few weeks ago from South Africa ran fast, and now we have Mena running a quick time. He was also under 10 seconds in the 100 in this race, going 9.99. What do you think What do you think his chances are heading into world championships? At the very least, even if you're thinking, all right, you got to do a bunch of conversions and it's not going to pan out to anything. At the very least, he's running well at the right time, which is not something you can say for every single athlete in the world right now. When you ask the question, what do I think his chances are, what do you mean by that question? Chances of what? Well, he's run 1963. So I'm not asking him to run 1963 again. Can he medal? Can he make no. the final? Probably not. No final. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm turning into like, this is great. It's a great performance, but you got to do it twice before I even read the performance. Like, I just need two marks. Two elite marks before I go into the category of considering you at the global level, you know? 
Because, I mean, 2004, I mean, that's, that's something, but I don't know. I feel like I need two sub-20s to believe in your ability to perform at the world championship level. So right now, he is still a NA, in my opinion, not applicable. Not applicable. It's a hard word to say. Applicable. I'm sorry. Just He's an NA. No mark. No yet. I mean, it is good, right? I, I mean, you don't wake up and run 1963. Just it's not normal, right? So it is an impressive feat. But, you know, the way our well, sport runs is these one-off impressive feats aren't ever really enough to supplant yourself as one of the contenders in the world because there's people who do it, you know, have been doing it over the years. They've been doing it multiple times throughout the season. And just a one fast race isn't going to be enough for me. So Fair. But when you look at the rankings of this season, and you take out Americans who aren't going to be competing at the World Championships, even before this 1963, his 20.04, where do you think that ranked him in the world? Where is what, 20.04 ranked him when you take out Americans? Yeah. It's probably pretty good. It's probably top eight, right? 12. So when you're saying he can't make the final, I think he would have been in contention to make a final even before running 1963. So I definitely can think he can make a final. Medal, I think, is an obvious stretch. But I think, who do you feel great about in the final? Four Americans you feel good about. DeGrasse has got to get it <laughs> together. Again, I'm not counting him out. Van Belay you'd put in there. Jareem Richards has run 19-8 this year. Aaron Brown's in the mix. Jerome Blake. But he's right there. He could get a lane in the final. Yeah, the, you're, you're talking me into it. You're talking to me into him getting, him getting a lane. Um, I do agree with you, though. The one crazy performance out of nowhere in a place that's famous for producing insane one-off performances is worth taking into account. And you know you're not as good as like your your one performance. Because when Knighton ran 1949 at LSU, I said, hey, that's probably going to be the world lead this year. He could still win the world title. I'm just, I just don't think that time is going to be beat this year. And I think, was it after the first round? Someone asked Knighton and Eugene what the winning time would be or what he'd need to run to get the yeah, win. To win. Oh, was, was it? Gordon, Gordon Mack. <laughs> I'm quoting your own question back to you. How does that feel? Feels good. I'm like those people. I'm like those people on Twitter. Like, did you even read the research? And the person's like, I literally did the research. You're quoting my own study back to me. But didn't he say, since you were there, he didn't say he needed to run a 1949. Didn't he say no. six or seven or something? And he ended up being right. Six. Yeah. So I think five will definitely win it in Eugene. Um, so it's not even as if Mana needs to run 63 again to be in the medal. Picture is just a question of whether or not he can do it. Hey, but it's cool. It's cool to have uh, more people than just the Americans. So, yeah, I just it's gonna be hard to believe in Adams and Menya because they're kind of coming out of nowhere, running these one-off fast marks. You know, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but you gotta it's a prove it to me type moment. Like they need to maybe. Go make the world championship final, get like fifth or sixth there, and then next year we look at them as like con- true contenders to medal. You know, they're just they're a year away f- 
in my mind. Yeah. I remember a few years ago, it was McWalla who ran some crazy time there. And everyone yeah. was like, wait, what? And then he put it into the calculators. And calculators are inexact as well, too. Altitude calculators, not actual calculators. Don't throw out your TI-83 kids. They're still good. But wind, altitude, all that other stuff, you can never get the exact correct picture of what it means. That's why people race at the same place at the same time. Let's talk now about Wade Van Niekerk ran his first, completed his first race of the season, I should say. He ran um, in the United States, 44-58, comfortable win for Van Niekerk. Mid-44s is what he was at last year, heading in to Tokyo. This year, a bit different because the injury, he's had even fewer races under his belt. Um, this headline, though, I think sums it up that we have up on the screen here gets a confidence boost. I think it's got to be a confidence boost. I just don't know how much quicker he can get given that we're right now in the final stages before world championship. Like, this is it. And it's just tough to drop a bunch of time in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, on paper, like not on paper, but like, when you see the, the number 44, you're like, ooh, that's like an elite time. But a lot of people can run 44 seconds, right? A lot of people are running, going to run 44 seconds like three times in three or four days. So yeah. it's kind of hard to like see a 44 mid and be like, uh-oh, watch out, Norman, watch out, you know, Garner. Because you look at where he is on the list, he's 14th on the list. And if you take yeah. out duplicate Americans, you only have to take out one, two, three. So he's 11th when you take out the duplicate Americans. So, yeah. and I think some people are still itching to run even faster. Again, he may get a lane, mm -hmm. but this is not a watch out. The great world record holders coming for Norman and James and Gardner and, and Allison, I I just how old is uh, Wade Van Niekerk now? Ninety two, so he's he's thirty. Thirty, right? Just turned thirty. He's turned thirty. About to turn thirty in ten oh. days. So beginning of the championships, he'll turn thirty. Yeah, I think finals is realistic for him, given that descending order list or, list that you said. But it's tough to get beyond that. But I was looking at this men's four hundred because of. Van Niekerk's performance, it's not that deep. Jordan, it's sneaky, not that deep. You got Norman up there. You obviously have champion Allison, who ran the 43.7 behind Norman in Eugene. But Ross ran better last year. Michael Cherry ran better last year. Karani James, I think, is always going to be in the mix. Um, Steven Gardner, if he's at his best, gold medal favorite, you'd say, still. But past that, like trying to think about who's going to make the final of this one, it's pretty complicated. There's a lot of people who could throw their hat in the ring. And this year, only what? How many guys have run sub 40, 44 this year? Two, correct? Norman and Allison. That's it? Yeah. Yeah. So there's room for him to get in just because this is not that deep of an event this year. I think one of the Jamaicans are going to pop a fast one and run low 44s. 
make a final. But yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe it is a weaker year, and that would be a way for Ben Kirk to kind of surprise, not surprise, but work his way in the final. But it's just like dealing with the injuries he's been dealing with and that being at the age that he's at, it's just so hard to beat someone who's 10 years younger than you yeah. in a 400. It's just, it's hard. I think Gardner is, It's let's pull up Gardner's stats there. Uh, if you could, Colt, number five there, Stephen Gardner. It's just, because if he's at, like I said, if he's at his best gold medal favorite, but he hasn't raced a lot this year. If you look at 20, 2022 results, you go down to those 400-meter outdoor results. Yeah. He's only run three of them. One of them was at the Bahamian Championships where he just cruised and ran 45. He ran Paris Diamond League, and then he ran in Baton Rouge. That's all. So I don't know what type of form he's in. Like I said, if he's in the form that we know he can be in, gold medal. If he's running just 44 lows, though, that changes the equation entirely, not just for gold, but for all the medals. Because that would open up a spot. So I'm just thinking of this in terms of Norman's hopes of getting gold, but also other people's chances of getting into the medals. I'm just interested to see how this one plays out. Because on the U.S. side of things, you have two guys who are coming off of college seasons. Could they run well and extend it another week? Absolutely. Could they be just gassed and not make a final? Absolutely. So then you take out two more guys, and it just starts to get very thin at the top of the men's 400. What I'm saying is this is a great opportunity. This is a great opportunity for Michael Norman to win gold, is what I'm saying. This is this is a clear You're getting sucked path. in, bro. You're getting sucked in Michael year. Norman. You're getting sucked in. I do it every year. Be careful. Um, yeah. Pull up um Karani James. Someone's asking about Karani James um in the chat. So I'm not forgetting about Karani James. We'd never forget about Karani James. But I mean Norman's looked better this year than James. Now he's run James has run more than than Gardner. He's run five four hundreds, won all of them except for that one in pre when Norman beat him. But I think yeah, I think James is gonna medal. Like I would bet on Corona James to medal. If you had to if I had to give you the podium right now of the medalists, I'd say in some order, Stephen Gardner, Michael Norman, and Corona James. But again, not much is known this year except that Norman is in good form. That's the one certainty that we have going in to the world championships. Um, but we know the championship, he hasn't been able to get that global medal. So even the person who's been the most consistent this year, there's question marks about when it comes to time for the championships. So I'm excited to see it. It'll be a fun one. We'll talk about the uh, World Athletics Marathon update. World Athletics Marathon update. Gordon will be there. 6 a.m. Outside of Autzen Stadium, Gordon will be sending tweets, live updates, time projections, pretty much every mile. So be sure to tune in. For the women's race, Team USA has a change. Molly Seidel has withdrawn, and she'll be pl- replaced by Kira D'Amato. Uh, she released a statement through her agent, said dealing with ongoing hip pain, and found out that she had a stress reaction in her sacrum. So... She will not be racing. Also, she has an ongoing TUE process where she needed, needs to take medication um, for ADHD, which has not – that hasn't been 
fully fleshed out yet as well too. So two issues going on here, but D'Amato will be on the start line. U.S. is deep in this event on the women's side. Like you, you lose Seidel, which obviously she's a great runner, a clutch runner, comes through in, in the big moments. But D'Amato, I mean, we've seen how good she can be as well too. So D'Amato will join um, a strong squad for the U.S. trying to get, trying to get a medal. Can we also kind of reflect or react or whatever? The motto being on Team USA is, is wild when you really think about it. She was just like a non-relevant like runner who then during COVID, out of nowhere, runs like a 15.05K, then starts getting better. Starts moving up into the marathon and starts running solid marathons. And then all of a sudden she's running elite level marathons. And all of a sudden she is now on Team USA. She was fourth in the running for Team USA. And now she got bumped up because of the scratch. But Kira D'Amato's story is freaking incredible. Going from just, you know. Uh, out of the sport. Not out of the sport athlete to now. Not just being back in the sport, but being at it at the highest level. We're representing yeah. USA. It's it's nuts. Like people would kill for D'Amato's past three years, and she did it like super late in her career. How old is she now? She's like 36, 37? I don't even know how old she's over 35. Keep at. Yeah. So it's just wild what she's been able to do. And it's pretty cool for D'Amato to be able to have this team USA moment. Obviously. Hopefully Molly gets better. And Molly still has a long career ahead of her. You know, she's coming off of freaking getting uh, a medal at the Olympics. So she's yeah. going to be fine. But for Kira D'Amato, who's in the late stages of her career, her early late career, you can say it that way, um, it's pretty cool for her to have this moment. So I'm really excited for D'Amato to make her first U.S. team after not being in running for like 10 plus years. Yeah. 37 years old. Here tomorrow. And we've seen the U.S. win medals in these type of championship races before. So, and then now you have people, you have, you have a whole team there of people that wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise you if they got a medal, right? Like if Sarah Hall medals, that's just, that's not crazy. Oftentimes they send a team and you think, okay, one person out of this group has a shot. On the U.S. side, they've all shown flashes of it and could pull it off on the day. So I'm excited to see it in person. I know you're excited. 6 a.m. getting out there mile by mile. Marathon coverage, courtesy of Gordon Mack. If you're running a race at 6 a.m., what time do you have to wake up? I think it actually starts at 6.30, but I want you there at 6 just to make sure yeah. you're ready and have the Twitter login and stuff like that for your mile by mile, mile splits. Uh, I think they'll get up at uh, – Four four thirty. We could ask. Maybe after the race, we get the first question in the press conference to the gold medal winner, and we say, "Yes, this is this is Gordon Mack from uh, Flow Track." Question to the uh, gold medalist: What time did you wake up this morning? Thank you. And what'd you eat for breakfast? What food? <laughs> How hydrated are you? Would you say yeah. we have this producer Colt who says the key to life is proper hydration? Agree? Disagree? I'll hang up and listen. Make it happen. I'll ask that question. Yeah, it'll be an interesting think, question, actually, to ask. 
because I think you should do it. You know, this is you just say this is really early. I've never been up this early before. Okay. Well, you also, also wake up earlier than normal up? because waking up early is a thing. Like that's fine, but like waking well, up early to then put your body through one of the hardest two hours of your life, you know, it's another level of waking up. So you wake up even earlier than normal. You know, what do you? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, they're marathon runners, though. They run a lot of races early. So I think they'll be fine. Uh, it could be hot, though. It was getting warm towards the end of USA's. I haven't looked at the extended 10-day forecast, and Eugene will get a weather report, I think, tomorrow from Colt, our weather reporter extraordinaire. But that could be a factor. It's three three big loops. I think it's interesting, too. They're going to run th- – they're not on Priest Trail, but there's a – there's a paved road through the middle of Priest Trail for a good portion of the course. I just think it's interesting because I wonder how many fans or if anybody's going to be out there because it is like a path in the middle of a large park. I'll we'll do you go out there. Yeah, you. Yeah, I'll be out there. Yeah, stop. Gordon, on the ground stop. for a mile 12. Let's kick it over to Gordon for a mile 12 report. All right, next yeah. segment. What's the next segment here? Oh, wow. Gordon is producing the show now, I guess. So a oh, week Bauer. or so ago, a week or so ago. You want to ago, start this? Go ahead. You got yeah. it. A week or so ago, uh, the Bowerman announced the finalists, three men and three women. You only get three. You don't get four. Um, Trey Cunningham, Aiden Owens, Randolph Ross on the men's side. So great hurdler, heptathlete, and 400-meter runner. And then on the women's side, which was where the controversy is brewing, you had Anna Hall of Florida. Cameron Rogers of California, who I will say this, a lot of people who are upset about these finalists don't really truly understand how great Cameron Rogers was. And then Abby Steiner, which we know what she's done. Now, obviously, these are three well-deserving women. They all have a resume, in my opinion, that is worthy of winning. But there was a fourth woman who I think had an equal resume to these three women. It just happened to be a year where there was a true cutoff after four and not a cutoff after five, after three. And so that fourth woman was Jasmine Moore of Florida who won the long jump and triple jump indoor and outdoor. So she went four for four. She also won SEC's indoor, uh, long jumps and triple jumps. She actually had one lone loss um, in the long jump at Texas Relays to Collegiates. And that was you know, a random end of March long jump competition. But yeah. I put up the the resumes of Anna Hall, Jasmine Moore, Cameron Rogers, and Abby Steiner. And I want to ask you, Kevin, who do you think should have been left off? Should it have been Jasmine Moore? Should it have been someone else? When we read these resumes, I'll, I'll read the resumes kind of quickly for the audio listeners. Basically, Anna Hall, she was... Second all-time in a heptathlon, number four all-time in a pentathlon, two-time NCAA champion, both multi-events indoor and outdoor. And then ultimately, her X factor was she did the 400-hurdle heptathlon double, scoring 18 points. Jasmine Moore, four-time NCAA champion. She had the indoor triple jump record, second outdoor all-time. And then her X factor was she only lost once all season, which was at the Texas Relays long jump. Cameron Rogers who, again, I think has the craziest resume when you really look at it. She 
Yeah. Broke the collegiate record in the hammer throw. <clears throat> she was 10th all time in the weight throw. She only won the NCAA hammer throw title. She didn't win the indoor weight throw title, but she's a weight throw. Ray, uh, she's a hammer, hammer thrower. thrower. Like, yeah. That's what she does. And Good you know that's bad. what she does. It's because this year she put up eight of the greatest throws of all time in collegiate history in 2022. The other two in the top 10 were from her last year. So now she has thrown 10 times all-time great marks. 10 times. It's insane. The top 10 list is just her name. Like, there's not yeah. one random name from 1980 or 1992 or from 2010. All 10 of the greatest hammer throws ever are from this woman. Yeah. That's, if that's not greatness, I don't know what it is. And then obviously, Abby Steiner, indoor and outdoor 200-meter record, indoor 300-meter record, number seven all-time in the 100. Three-time NCAA champion, indoor outdoor 200 and the 4x4. And I mentioned the 4x4. That's notable because she split 48 seconds twice in a 4x4, once at SECs and again at uh, NCAAs. So four Listen. great athletes, four great resumes. Who, do you, who are you leaving off? You can't leave off anybody. This is the problem with this. It's a problem with both the award and it's a problem with the critique of the award because everybody wants to say this person should have been there this every year. Every year this is a problem. But then no one ever says who should be left off. off. Of course. Because it's easy. I mean, this is awards in every sport. This isn't just track and field. It's why was this person left off? Okay, well then what's the argument to take someone else off? Because if you can tell me that, then we can have an actual discussion about it. Now, if you want to say this year there should have been four and they should have bought an extra plane ticket and hotel room, I'm all about it too. If you want to say, hey, every year we're going to send somewhere between two and five people to the Bowerman or two and four people and we get to decide, that's fine. I'm cool with it too. The other problem I is don't like that. I think track and field. No, because Heisman does that too. Heisman fluctuates based on how close the voting is. So. Every year in track and field, we have to compare. It's not even apples and oranges. It's like apples and desk chairs, basically. Because every athlete does a different event that's in this group, right? You're never going to have two 200-meter runners make it because one's going to prevail over the other. You're never going to have two discus throwers because it's going to be one over the other. So different events lend themselves to different doubles. Different events lend themselves better to all-time marks. Right, some of the collegiate records are just stronger than others. The NCAA is just tougher in certain events than it is in others. Now, you could distill this whole thing down to one number, right, Gordon? You could say who has the best singular performance, and you could go into the tables and you could look, but that doesn't tell the story of a whole season because a season isn't about one performance. Well, then you could add up all the performances, but again, then you're favoring people who can do doubles versus those who can't. And if you want to get an example of this, I mean, when, it, when is a javelin thrower, right? Can a javelin thrower double the same as a 5,000-meter runner? I don't think that's going to be as common as a 5,000-meter runner. So there's a bunch of different issues with this. People get upset. I get it because everybody wants recognition. Everybody wants their season validated. But if you're arguing that Cameron Rogers shouldn't be 
a finalist, you're basically saying hammer thrower shouldn't be considered for the event or for the award, right? Because there's nothing yeah. else she could have done. Top nothing. 10 all time. Now, if you're going to say, all right, well, her throws relative to the rest of the world are different than this other mark relative to the rest of the world. Okay, th- that's fine. But I'm saying there's nothing else that she could have done in the hammer throw this year. If, if you're not going to have her make a final at least, not even – you could say she should win the thing because there's nothing else she could have done. Anna Hall, spectacular multi-event and then sprinkles on the open four-meter hurdles. Like, are you kidding me? That's amazing. I don't want to leave her off. Jasmine Moore basically did everything that she could do. She doubles in both. Right, sets an all tie, sets a, a record in one of them. Only loses one, and it's it's a, a early season meet. Not going to hold that against her. Steiner, you talked about not just what she did in the two hundred, but what she did in the four by four, right? What she did in the hundred. I guess if you're making a case against her, it said she lost. SECs. Well, who did she lose to? She lost a collegiate lecture holder, Favor Ophelia. So my opinion is high enough of Favor Ophelia that I'm not counting that. As that much of a strike against Steiner to lose to the person who has a collegiate record. The important thing is she came back and she won and she ran even faster. So these discussions are very frustrating for me to hear it. I think, again, if you're going to say this person should be on, you have to say who you're going to take off. And I think just in general, giving one track and field award (laughs) is just very difficult. And then they compare it to the Heisman. One defensive player has won the Heisman in history, Charles Woodson. And the year he won it, he also played some offense and returned some punts. So you're telling me that the history of college football, objectively, the best football player has never been on defense, except for one time? That's the only time in history that the best player was on defense? Or forget, I mean, talk about offensive linemen. Nope. Tight end? No, it's always a quarterback or running back or receiver. That's it. Those are the only people who have been the best college football player in his, in in each given season. No, of course that's not true. And we have a similar problem with this award, which is it's very difficult to compare. I think they do their best to get it right, but you're just you're comparing things that don't match up. It's tough. To compare someone who can double in the one and two versus maybe someone in the 800 who can't. Or someone in the, in the javelin. Or a pole vaulter. Right? How good does the pole vaulter have to be to win versus someone in the five and ten who can win the three and the five indoors, win the five and the ten outdoors, and basically they're going to get a spot in the top three. So that's my, that's my frustration with it. And that's the limits of it that I wish people would understand. So who's your top four? What's your order? <laughs> top four? All that being I said, see, if you had to rank it, the order of those four women, how would you rank them? I mean, that just went against everything I said. Anna Hall, I like, because it's impossible, I just go with creativity. <laughs> so I like Anna Hall season. I like the fact that she did something I hadn't seen before. So I would probably go Anna Hall. It's It's interesting because I would put Anna Hall fourth because I would look at – And that's fine. I wouldn't wouldn't blame anybody for any order. 
Yeah, I would put Anna Hall fourth because while she was great in the heptathlon and pentathlon, she wasn't an all-time great. She was, you know, fourth all-time and sixth or fifth all-time. So I'm like, what was the exact number? I forget. But like, she wasn't. She didn't have. She doesn't own a collegiate record. You know. No, yeah, but, but what she did again, getting and like, are we supposed to like glorify getting second? I guess I don't know. At the same time, she did lose to Britton Wilson, who made Team USA. So she would have won it in any other year. It just happened Britton Wilson was in her way. So yeah, in in a weird way, I, I I honestly think that the third spot was between Anna Hall and Jasmine Moore. I think Cameron Rogers and Abby Steiner were one hundred percent going to be on it, and they had to choose between Hall and Moore. And I think they went with Hall because Hall has a more unique um, resume than Jasmine Moore. Jasmine Moore's resume is eerily similar to Katora Orji. Now, Katora Orji went three for four. She didn't go four for four, but Katora Orji had more records. So they valued records more because Jasmine Moore had better win-loss. She didn't have as many records the way Katora Orji had records versus her win-loss. And I think they were kind of like, all right, we're never going to see a heptathlon 400-meter hurdle doubler. Mm -hmm. We have to recognize that. And I think they went with her. So I think that was the tiebreaker. And it is funny. Florida was out there, like, criticizing Bowerman. Why isn't more on it? Why isn't more? And then a few days later, they're like, Anna Hall should win. I was like, wait, I thought more should have won. I thought it was all about Jasmine Moore. She should have won. And now all of a sudden, Anna Hall should win? I was like, wait a minute. They were ready. I, you know, they they had the response the on the ready. They had it saved in in drafts, and they're like ready to go as soon as the nominations were announced. Yeah. Your track record about the Bowerman getting it right is very clear. There's obviously been some <laughs> oversights in the past with this award, but that's it's just there's no way to get it right. There's, re- there's really no way to – I'm looking at the historical one. They started this in in 09. Rupp and Jenny Berenger, J- Jenny Simpson now, at the uh, won it in 09. It, um, you go through the list. It's obviously um, a prestigious award. Like the people who've won it are, are big names. But what you have to – and this is the same thing with Athlete of the Year for award athletics. What you have to do for some events to win is a lot more difficult at other events. Look at some years Bolt won Athlete of the Year when he barely raced. He'd show up, he'd win the one and the two at, at Worlds or Olympics, and then get Athlete of the Year. And then some other folks would be running week in, week out, winning gold, and not get it. And then the whole win-loss thing is tough for me too because that just incentivizes not racing, which is which Is, is that tough. I think going to win? I uh, I personally I, I personally would have would vote for Abby Steiner, but I think Cameron Rogers will win, and I think she deserves to win. Yeah, because you know, I need a I I, I think the way Abby would have won is if she also won the one hundred, but because she didn't win the hundred, that's going to be used against yeah, her. She, you know, if so. she won the hundred, that's yeah. But again, that's the point. My point is. You get penalized for trying to do more, which yeah. is silly. We also like, get penalized for doing less because right. Cameron Rogers, everyone's like, you just did the hammer throw. 
Jasmine right. Moore is out there doing two events. And it's like, well, yeah, there's not the triple hammer and the single hammer. There's just one hammer. So. Yeah. Well, and with Steiner, she has the, the boost for the four by four. But what if Kentucky didn't have three other really good women? Yeah. So they were not even in that position. So you benefit too. If you benefit from relays, you benefit from being on a really good team, which not, and there's no hammer relay. There's no triple jump relay. There's no heptathlon relay. So it's like an extra opportunity for her to run. You, you told me before, you said the thing is, is slanted towards people who can double. But I think it's, it's particularly slanted towards, I mean, if you one, two and four, cause then you can get an extra title there in a four by one or in a four by four, not to take away from anybody who's won it in those. And it's also on the distance side of things. Five and ten, and then indoors you can go three and five. You can go DMR and five, you know you can DMR and three. You can win. You can rack up a bunch of wins that way. Basically, my personal order would go Abby, Cameron, Jasmine Moore, Anna Hall. My prediction order is it goes Cameron, Abby, Anna Hall, and then Jasmine Moore is fourth. All right. Let's keep moving. That was Bowerman. way late we discussion. Like, we did like 40 minutes on Bowerman. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a tough clip for you to cut. A lot yeah. of gigs going up in the CMS. Speaking of a Bowerman out. nominee, Abby Steiner mm-hmm. was in the news kind of, but not really. Uh, there were some reports <laughs> out there that she signed a $2 million deal with $2 million deal with Puma. And the reports are based off of a post on an internet forum, on a Facebook group, and people are just running with it. Uh, what do you know about Abby Steiner and her potential contract <laughs> that she just signed? Well, I know that a gentleman from the Columbus Dispatch tweeted out, um, which Abby is from Ohio. We could throw that tweet up there now, the one at the top. Yeah. Uh, Steve Blackledge is the name of the reporter. She does intend to sign an endorsement deal, but widespread Twitter reports say her premature and she plans to make it official on July 14th. Yeah. I think she's obviously going pro. She said she's going pro. I don't... I read into some of the articles written about the report and it all goes back to someone's tweet, which was based on a post in the, on a message. Now, could it ultimately be true? Yes, it could ultimately be true. Could it not be true? And people are just playing a game of telephone. That could be happening as well, too. And then you get into the numbers, right? People talking about $2 million, $1 million. And all that stuff's really difficult to figure out. DeGrasse's deal, journalists got a hold of that and it was publicized. But other than that, it's pretty dang hard to find out how much people are making. So... I would read all that stuff with a grain of salt, how accurate it is, because you just don't know. There's non-disclosure agreements. One of the stories I read said it would make her the – so they had the $2 million number. They said it would make her the number two – or the, the highest paid women's track athlete of all time after Sydney McLaughlin. I said, wait, hold on. Did I miss the part where Sydney McLaughlin's contract was public? And it linked back to a Let's Run article, which was a survey of agents, which – estimated average of Sydney's deal was 1.5 million. Again, no one actually saw the contract. Like that would not pass muster in 
most sports in terms of is this actually what they're making. So I would bet on we're probably never going to know the details unless Puma makes it public. But that would be – like the, the grass thing was a complete outlier. Like when I saw that, I was like, whoa, how did that, how did that get out? Like how do we actually know that? So my assumption usually is we're not going to know. It wouldn't surprise me if she signs with Puma or, I don't know, Nike or New Balance or, or whoever. Um, but as far as I can tell, it all just went back to someone making a, uh, making a post on the internet forum. It's interesting, though, when you think about, like, our sport, right? Puma could be giving, you know, Abby Steiner $2 million, but when she's on the biggest stage, she's going to be wearing a giant Nike swoosh on her chest because she'll be wearing yep. a Team USA kit. So kind of like that's the one thing yep. about these deals and the, the, the struggle for these track athletes is that because the biggest moment of their career, their sponsor isn't really visible as often. I mean, obviously, they're on their shoes. They can take their shoes off and put it around their neck and – the post-race interviews and all that stuff. But uh, yeah. at the end of the day, Nike still gets to have the last laugh every time when they see their New Balance and Adidas and Puma athletes rocking the Nike swoosh at the world championship level. At what point in an athlete's career do they learn to take off the shoes and put them around their neck for the interviews? Uh, I don't know. Like, Is that a year two, two thing? Okay. Yeah, it's year That's... two. Is it something the agent tells you right away? Well, year one, you're like, you're just happy to be there. You don't want to make any mistakes. You're like, all right. It was like, I don't want to bother. I don't want to rock the boat. And then you realize, yeah. okay, I can rock the boat. I can, I can do what I want. Okay. And then at what point in your career do you strategically place the shoes over the other logo on your jersey? That That's seems like, like a, a veteran four. thing. It's a year four. Yeah. It's like a going into fifth year senior mode. <laughs> You have the place positioning your place. spikes over, or you get the flag and you put it. There's a flag famous, is a good one. Flag is good. People do the flag a lot. Was, oh, yeah. Well, that's the I'm famous just... the famous dream team photo with Michael Jordan, right? And how they all were standing, and it was they were covering up the logos because they were Nike. Yeah, I was surprised this year during USA's. It seemed as if a smaller amount of athletes were getting signed mid meet. Maybe it's yeah. just because my memory is of the trials and the trials, more people are going to get signed because it's the Olympics and also the meat is longer. But Trey Cunningham showed up with Adidas, right? Or did, was that after yeah. the first round? Did he ever did he, no, he was he run? In, yeah. No, he was more. Yeah. So sometimes what, if people don't know, sometimes what happens is they'll run around and then they'll get signed. They'll run around in their college jersey or uns, unsponsored, just a generic jersey. And then they'll get signed before the semis, although they'll get signed before the finals. And we didn't see a lot of that. And I think we thought, okay, Steiner or one of these other collegians, that'll happen to them, particularly Steiner. Uh, we shouldn't see it. We shouldn't see it. Yeah. Last thing. Should talk about the last thing. This has been a very, uh, you know, this isn't one of our best podcasts, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> What do you mean? I thought this you're, was good. You're on your game. I'm not on my game. I've had a long weekend, man. Like Fourth of July took a lot out of me. The sun, the uh, the beverages, the fireworks took a lot out. So I'm trying to get myself. I thought you did good. Podcast mode. I thought you've been. Oh, really? I thought you've been doing good. Oh, I appreciate that. Maybe you just have no concept of your own performance. 
That could be maybe it. you thought maybe you thought you ran a ten nine hundred, but you really ran. Colt, how is Gordon doing relative to his normal performance? Honestly, solid. This is like a eight out of ten for Gordon. Oh for wow! Sure. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're killing yeah. it, man. You're good. I'll take. No, I thought the Bowerman stuff. I thought the Bowerman stuff was well thought out. You had all the okay, statistics. Okay, we, we, we don't need to be doing have... recap pods mid pod of the pod we're recapping. <laughs> okay, we don't need to talk about previous segments as the next segment. Like that is a bad podcast experience. Let's just like sure. You remember that like, members minute only? ten? Remember minute ten when you you said the word the weird? You know, come on. No, I don't think you. I don't think you screwed up minute ten. I think you've been doing great, man. Let's let's keep it up. Do you want to talk about the London Marathon start list, Gordon? Is that where you want to go with the end of the podcast? Well, this is this was announced. London Marathon live on Flow Track for U.S. viewers, and uh, the women's field was announced, and it's pretty damn good. Let's zoom in. You, you got to zoom in. You look at that that start list world record holder. Costco is going to be there. Then there's what one, two, three, four, five, five women. Who have broken 218, another three who have broken 219, another one who's broken 220. It's just like deep, deep, deep with uh, amazing marathoners with Koskai, Jepkoski, both in there. I'm excited for this on the women's side. And then Eilish McLaughlin. Oh, McColgan. I said that name. McColgan. I apologize. Uh, she's making a debut for Great Britain. She's been running great 10Ks. I think she has the second fastest 10k in the world right now right uh i think so from that yeah that race was yeah. a, that was a, a weird race because it was the ethiopian trials at the same time she just yeah. like went off on her own and then they ran a tactical race behind her so it'll be cool to see how she does in the marathon debut post worlds yeah listen london's always solid this will be this will be a good one real deep cause guy delivered last year jep cause guy coming off a rare off race for her. There's a lot to like um, about this race, and it's going to be in the fall, as you mentioned. Then we'll go back into the spring, and hopefully we'll keep that normal cadence, that normal schedule. Gordon, I got breaking news. Do you really? Is it mocking? Is it real breaking news, or is it? No, I have an update. To the first okay. story that we discussed, I will put it here so Cole can throw the tweet up. Um, Victor Almeida, journalism student at the University of Havana, who covers uh, track and field, he posted a little while ago: athletes of Cuban nationality who are classified by marks or rankings to the World Championships in Eugene, but will not compete to the uh, to the national team um, or by personal decision and he lists Juan Miguel Cheveria, the long jumper, Rainier Mena, the guy who just ran the 200, and then um, a bunch of other athletes in there as well. So it looks like Mena will not be competing. Guy runs 19 and 6 and then he's not going to the worlds. Our sport is fucking dumb. Well, okay, see now you're you were you were doing good until That's dumb. That's dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, no, there's other st- – I think there's other stuff go- – there's been a lot of athletes changing allegiance going from Cuba to, to Portugal throughout the past couple of years, so I don't know what's, what's going – there's been a long record of Cuban athletes not competing for Cuba or being held out of the championships. I don't know if this is necessarily a track-specific thing. Yeah, Listen, but, you know, it's still I get happening. it. Track, track does – uh, 
yeah, track does keep home um, very good people because selectors make strange decisions. I just, I don't know if that's the, the situation here. Um, so, yeah, maybe. Hmm. I mean, maybe there's a transfer of allegiance thing going on here. I'm not sure. I hope he gets to run. Whatever, wherever he lands, I want to see him run because yeah, he just ran 19.6. I want to see him again. Free, free mania, free him. We need, we need a, we need a hashtag free mania T-shirt. All right, let's go to the chat. Since you handled the chat so well last time, let's just let's run it back. Um, Are looking at the Jaden says Mana was a fluke. It's literally equivalent to nineteen point eight nine if you take away the altitude. Yeah, but nineteen eight nine is still fast. It's not gold medal fast. Still fast. But that's fast. still make the final, and you're in the mix. Fast. Um, someone brings up Ortega doing the same thing. Yes, indeed, that is correct. What else do we have in the chat? Do you think it's fair to see college athletes at trials? Yes. Yes. Why is that a thing? Why would college athletes not be allowed to? Okay, is that not not a thing? thing. Okay. It's not a thing. We're not even going to – yeah, no. That's not how our sport works. Should the best athletes get to compete, to compete at the best meet? Gordon, your thoughts. Banning college athletes from the trials is just a way to like make subpar athletes feel better about themselves because they're getting beat by college athletes. Hell, they're getting beat by high school kids. Me. You can't beat them. You don't ban them. You beat them. So banning college yeah. kids from our sport is just going to make subpar athletes elevated. And we shouldn't be elevating subpar athletes. We should be elevating the best athletes, which happen to be kids who are aged 20 to 26. And guess what? 20, 21, and 22 yeah. happen to still be in college. I know Ingerbritsen was never in college, but should he have been banned for the Norwegian Championships? I just want to throw that out yes, there. should have been banned. Are, are more I still believe the whole, if you lose to a high schooler twice, you're out of here. I, I, think, I have to go do my research to see if there's been anyone who actually did lose to a high schooler twice. Then, you know, so the, the, college kids, the college kids did really well this year, though, if you go – Event by event, right? You go, you go down the line. Like they did, I think they did show do up. well every year. They do well. No, every no, year. but this, no, no. This is particular Jefferson in the hundred, Steiner yeah. in the two hundred, Diggs in the four hundred. Just take those That's three. True. Have collegians ever swept the one, two, and the four? We didn't talk about it uh, much on this no. pod. Like you'd have That's to go point. back and look. But is that a reason to to change the rules? No, why would you not want your fastest people going to the world championships? I mean, that makes zero sense. I think the quick turnaround helped these athletes. People say, oh, it hurts because they got to come back up for another competition. But I think if you give me the choice between, hey, they can have the U.S. championships two weeks after or six weeks after, I take the two weeks after. I take the two weeks every day of the week. I mean, you had Britton Wilson doing well. You had Tre- Trevor Bassett making it, and on and on and on. There was a lot of collegiate representation, but that's not part of the reason. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I just think they are the best, and sometimes young people are good at sports. That's yeah. all it is. Well, g- yeah. Who cares and- what they happen to be doing between 
9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Oh, they're going right. to class. Big deal. They are. They have yeah. two legs and two arms just like you, and they're running. And they happen to be studying algebra in the meantime. Big deal. Who cares? Should we ban? Uh, we. Well, you know what we should do. We should ban all athletes who are coached by coaches who coach college. You know, oh, Grant Holloway, sorry, you can't compete because your coach is Mike Holloway and he's a Florida head coach. So, like, we can't have collegiate no. coaches coaching our pros. See how dumb that sounds? We should ban volunteers. Mike Holloway systems. coaching Grant Holloway and Mike Holloway coaching Talitha Diggs. Nothing. Well, and you got volunteer assistants too. So, if you're a volunteer assistant, you're getting all the facilities. Yeah, so you, you got, get rid yeah. of all there's all the athletes who train on college campuses. You're not allowed to be at USA's. Sorry. These are the new rules. All the athletes who make over 100K because they got access to better facilities. Yeah, they're banned. They're banned as well. So we're banned. Yeah, so we're going to ban volunteer assistants, athletes who are coached by college coaches, college kids, uh, athletes who have too much money. So there's only the sweet spot. So basically, only like 12 people get to go to USA's every year. <laughs> And, and I get to pick them. them. And, yeah, and we, you well, and I get to pick them. We do a whole, we do a big draft special live on YouTube. Here's what here, here's what track is good at. Track is good at one thing happening and one specific moment in time, and they're just being this whiplash reaction to it that makes no sense. What they won the one and the two and the four ban the college athletes. Never mind that next year, maybe no collegian makes it in any of those events. It's just the same thing when Harrison didn't make the U.S. team and then went on to break the world record in the high hurdles that year. Should we change the, the system? Should we change the top three system? Because we're going to leave home the world record holder. And then what happened that year? The U.S. swept the high hurdles. There's a simple solution to banning college athletes. Run faster than them. If you run faster yeah. than college athletes, guess what? They won't be good enough to qualify for your pro championship. If just if we know. had 50, again, if we I have no idea where this women, comes from. If we had thirty women run forty nine seconds, then Talitha Diggs just isn't going to be good enough to go to the trials. Which is that's why don't we do it that way? Have thirty women well, run forty nine. Again, I, I yeah, I have no idea where this. It where just this comes from, from internet. Why? It just comes from internet. That's where it comes from. Robin has a good idea. Just ban everybody. I mean, fair. that's a good idea. I like that. Then you're guaranteed. Nope. To, Remember when, uh, remember when it was a JJ Redick who said when Bob Cousy was playing, he was playing against firemen, <laughs> firemen. And was it like plumbers and firemen or something? Yeah, plumbers like that? and firemen. Yeah. You have to have a full time, like a full full time job separate from track to compete. Like I need to see your W2. It's yes. not a little side hustle. You can't just be driving for Uber. It's like, no, you have to have a full full time job. Teacher, yeah, give me your references. Doctor. I got to call them and ask how often are you at work, yeah. so I know, yeah, that you truly you're are. Only, you're only allowed to train three hours a week. I want to see who the best person is with the least amount of resources because that's what sports is about. Yeah. No shoes. No shoes. Good idea, Colt. Yeah, shoes. I mean, that was a thing. I mean, people were trying to ban people from wearing Nikes. I mean, mm -hmm. as much as a joke that Colt a little bit said, different. That was like a take. Hey, your, your <laughs> spikes are too fast. Good. What are we doing yeah. here? You have to have slower spikes. 
We, we can't have the fast spikes. Only the slow spikes count. I mean, what's the – is the – I'm trying to see the thought process behind this this point. And I, the thought process to, is they did well. You wanna you wanna stand for your fellow athletes who are pro, and you get you're jealous of college kids beating them. So you think like this is unfair. You you but nobody you, wants that. The pros don't want that. The pros are competitive. They're not thinking, man. You know who should be gone? These athletes who are four or five years younger than me. That's ridiculous. That's runs counter to everything about competitive sports. If your goal is to get the most amount of medals, you want the best team and you let everybody compete who's eligible to compete. And, and well, they think that we'll become more professional if college kids aren't in the meet. And that's not how it works. You're not going to be all of a sudden not, be like, you know what? Now that the college kids are gone, I now want to give everyone millions of dollars. And this is now a professional league because there's no college kids. Look at that. No, the money is not the money now. No. Yeah, but it's Hold stupid. On. It's it's a fake way to think you're creating a pro atmosphere. No, our sport is not operated that way. Our sport is an individual sport. There's no such thing as a league. Like that's not ever going to happen. You can make well, as many and, logos, and... have as many drafts, have as many. Oh, I I play for this city and that city. You can do it all. You can have as many training group uh, team names and all that. It's not going to change the fact that this is an individual sport. And that's that. Well, and collegian colleges aren't going to take the money that they were going to spend on track athletes and invest it into a pro track. Like what? All right. Someone says they were saying that college kids should declare before competing. What does that mean? Declare. Go declare pro. What? Be pro. No, no. They're allowed to come no. back. What? What are we doing they want, here? they want to pretend that USA's is the same thing as the NBA and it's not. Yeah, what? USA's is an all-comers meet. Anyone can go to it. You just have to be fast enough. You just have to accept yeah, that our sport is that kind of sport. I like that. The, I like that about track. I think that's a cool part about track. It's a meritocracy. Around the time you show up, doesn't matter yeah. if you're a, a senior in high school or 45 years old. Run the time, you show up. Uh, Thomas says, "Oh boy, how this podcast has come off the tracks." No, it's only come off the tracks because <laughs> this idea. Declare. So they have to go pro. What if they don't have a deal? What if they want to stay in college and compete collegiately? It's just supposed to pick the fastest people. This is You're making a simple thing complicated. That's what's yeah. happening. This does not need to be that complex. This year, the college athletes did really well. Usually, they do pretty well. Because as Gordon mentioned, 20 to 27 in most events is going to be your peak, and that overlaps with college. But go back and look at how many 400-meter runners have run really well in the NCAA and then gone on to run well at the World Championships and the Olympics. It's a long list. What would be funny if the U.S. did this and then the other countries didn't? <laughs> They're just using all their collegiate athletes to just clean it up. Just absolutely clean it up. You know, because yeah, imagine if U.S. then had to send like, you know, yeah, it's like we're going to send a bunch of 20 two five women instead of a bunch of 21 eight women well bridge send it's just then complicated you're having to track me if you hit the time standard you qualify it doesn't matter it's just people thinking they what can create affiliated. a pro league that's all it is you think oh really? go I, pro is... no one is going pro the only people going pro are people like abby steiner and trey cunningham everyone else 
is just doing it because they love it and they believe in themselves. And they're like, you know, Alicia Johnson, who believes in herself, known, and then she worked hard for many years, and now she's running a top three time in the world, and she's probably going to get a contract out of it because she's able to prove yeah. that right, I went right. from being making semifinals and getting and making you know second tier finals to now all of a sudden yeah. being top three in the world, being the running for an outdoor medal, and you're going to get rewarded. Yeah. Our sport is just. Yeah. It's not going to reward number 25 on the list. It's just not. It's only going to reward number three and up, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin says, I'm just putting it out there because it was trending. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not upset with you, Kevin. No, we're not upset either. with you. No, it, was, it was the idea. No, we love, it was the idea. We love okay. our users. We love our viewers. And his great name, too. Um, hold on. I want to do this one more before we go. Dina says, talk about the 4 by one I think go. we should save that. We need to save that. What? Come on. Say that for no. We, we're doing a pod literally tomorrow. Let's talk about the four by one tomorrow. It's ten ten, man. We've been going long. Let's talk about the okay, four by Colt's, one. Colt's gonna get mad. All right. So tomorrow's is tomorrow's topic going to be who the U.S. should put on the four by one and four by four? Yeah, we're gonna line up the relay. We're gonna we're gonna coach it. We're gonna coach it. We're gonna figure it out, and we're gonna come up with the orders for the four relays. Even, no, the six relays. We're, the, the five. We'll do the two four by fours, the two four by ones, and the mixed four by fours. You're going to do the mix four by four. That's yeah. We're going to have great. who's in the prelims, who's in the finals, the order. It's going to be really. It's going to be all right. Yeah. I'm cutting Coach out Gordon. my beach time today. Then. Coach Gordon's coming. actually, I'm going to bring a notebook to the beach today. I was going to say I'm going to cut out my beach time, but I can't do that completely. I'm just going to be running every simulation in my head. Who's in the first round of the mixed gender four by four? Who's in the second round? I'm going to look the schedule up. This is good. This is good homework for tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe. Yeah. Email us. Thank you guys. My PR. Email us. Uh, Internet coach. We're not we haven't done that because on. of USA's. We'll get back to that. Yeah. And then there's gonna be worlds. And Friday. No. 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 Let's not. Let's not set on. We can do that on Friday. We can do it on Friday. Maybe we can do it on Friday. We can do it on Friday. Yeah. Do the Friday. World Championships are coming up, and then we're gonna have ten shows in a row. I don't know. Yeah, but we yeah, can do sure. it Friday. Email. This Friday, we can do that. There's nothing going on this weekend. We can talk about okay. our viewers' local PBs. We can do that. Okay. Uh, the email address is flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. In the subject line, put guess my PR or internet coach or why college athletes should be banned from USA's. Whatever you want. Thanks to Colt for producing. Again, we'll do the relay show tomorrow live, 9 a.m. Central on YouTube or you can catch the show after archived on YouTube or in audio format, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk to you guys then.